come in, come in with the news or? Okay. All right. Good morning, everybody. This is the uh, Nick Reed Show here on 1041 KSGF. But Nick is taking it easy for a couple of days, and he's had several individuals this week uh, guest host for him, and I'm doing the same today. My name is Darren Chapel, and I'm the state representative of the 137th District, which is largely eastern Greene County, uh, east of 65, uh, mostly, and uh, then the southern part of Springfield, uh, south of James River Freeway, in parts all the way over to Campbell Street. So it's all in Greene County, and uh, I'm privileged to represent that district. My family moved to that area in 1836, and my grandchildren are the ninth generation to live in the district I'm privileged to represent. So it's uh, it's good to be back with you all. Always enjoy doing the show. Good morning, Katie. Oh, she's not even going to talk on the radio. She's just going to tell me. Bummer. Are you seriously not going to talk into the microphone? Good morning. What is your deal? Darren. She made fun of me because I dropped the lid to my coffee because it's early. and uh, But she didn't want to talk. So did you have a good good Christmas? I did. Yeah. My Christmas is still coming up on January 7th. January 7th is mm-hmm. when is when uh, you sir, you the... Uh, you you celebrate Christmas, mm-hmm. Orthodox Christmas. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. See, I didn't know that. And this weekend is a huge celebration of New Year's. It's a big holiday it in is. my culture. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, good. Good. Well, okay. Well, that's great. Um, so today we've got uh, some guests that are going to be coming on. We're going to be talking to Shane Schuller, uh, who of course is Green County uh, Clerk, uh, but he's also running for Secretary of State. So we're going to be talking to him. Uh, about 7.30, and at 8.30, we're going to be talking to State Representative Trisha Burns. Um, She has been doing some work with and against the national government due to some um, long-term nuclear um, pollution in her area that uh, is held over from the, if I understand it correctly, the Manhattan Project that the national government just buried and uh, has caused problems in, in that in that area of the state. And she's been fighting hard uh, uh, for that recognition and trying to get the national government to do something about it. So we're going to talk to her at 830. But this morning, I do want to uh, get started by talking about this President Trump deal in Colorado and what that all means. And, of course, if you've heard me on the radio over the last 16 years now, uh, you know, I'm going to come at it from a from a historical perspective and what the 14th Amendment actually says, what it means, how it applies. And um, we're going to take a look at the election of 1860 a little bit, too, to see if this Supreme Court case of Colorado holds any water at all. And if so, what what is the uh, what what's going to be the final outcome of this? Um, of course, uh, we're, we're going to be wanting to take your calls as well. 417-447-5743. And you can call in or text on that number be happy to happy to answer any questions that you might have and we'll probably talk a little bit about some of the legislative um, 
upcoming ideas that are going to be introduced uh, in the in the House of Representatives. We're going back to session uh, just next week, so uh, hold on to your wallets. The legislature is back in session. Um, but first, we got to take a, uh, a quick break. We're going to uh, get what's going on in the news and then the weather after that. All right, so the uh, first alert first alert forecast from Color 10, Fox 49 meteorolo- meteorologist. That's too hard a word to say this early in the morning. Tom Schmidt, uh, today rain and snow throughout the day with a high near 40. Tonight, 20% of snow, snow showers. Otherwise, mostly cloudy with a low around 30. And Friday, a slight chance for snow. Cloudy with a high of 37. And... Um, I hate snow, and I hate the cold weather, and when I got in this morning, there was a, a, a forecast here on the desk that said it was going to be 78 tomorrow, 80 today, 78 tomorrow, and I go, okay, this is clearly wrong, but it would be cool if we could have uh, yeah, have weather like that, but nope, not to be. All right, so, uh, but when I came in this morning, the roads were fine, so shouldn't be too much trouble on your on your commute this morning so um as everybody knows colorado the supreme court um for the state of colorado they have found that president trump is not to be allowed on the ballot uh, in colorado for this upcoming presidential election now that is something that they are not entirely confident themselves <laughs> about because they put a stay on their own decision. It was a uh, four, four to three decision, and they put a stay on that decision to see what the United States Supreme Court is going to say about it. So they've had this finding, but as of right now, it doesn't take effect. They're wanting to see what the U.S. Supreme Court has to say. Well, the the concept of the states having the right to determine who shall and shall not be on the ballot for the presidential um, nomination, that, that, that's something that's not outrageous, um, frankly, because states' rights and the president of the United States, he's not the president of the American people, the president of the United States, um, it may well be that the states have the ability to determine who is and who is not eligible to be on that ballot within the parameters of the eligibility to be president according to the Constitution. So that, that may not be as outrageous as some have made it out to be, but how they've made their decision, what the thought process is, that's the issue. So uh, we're going to get into that. we got to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to start tearing this down and looking at the details and how it all fits together. And we're going to do that when we come back right after this. All right. We are uh, back. And it's 
early and it's dark and it's cold, but we're happy to be here with you nevertheless and happy to have you listening in. So we are uh, we're talking this morning, at least first of all, about the 14th Amendment basis upon which the Colorado Supreme Court suggested that the president, uh, President Trump, is not eligible to be on the ballot for the upcoming presidential election in 2024. Now, in saying this, uh, again, they have stayed their own decision, so they're waiting to see what the Supreme Court is going to have to say about this. And I suspect that this will be something that is taken up by the court relatively quickly and that the court will make its decision relatively quickly. A lot of Supreme Court decisions don't come out until the fall, you know, October uh, is, is, uh, is a common time frame when the Supreme Court, be, you know, releases its decisions. But that won't work because we've got primaries. And so uh, in order for President Trump's case to have any effect uh, on, on the upcoming primary in Colorado, uh, it will have to be uh, quick. It'll have to be fast. And so the the idea is, can he be removed from the ballot as a presidential candidate by by the state government? And and again, concept of states' rights, whatever the Constitution, the Ninth and Tenth Amendments to the Constitution, you know, whatever is not specifically granted to the national government by the Constitution nor prohibited by the Constitution to the states, those powers are retained by the states. It could be argued that the states have the ability to do this. Uh, we don't know. No one's ever tried before. So we don't know whether it holds you know, water as an argument or not. But the, the idea behind it is something that you know, I find fascinating. So I, you know, I taught political science um, at Missouri State for quite some time, and I've been lecturing on the Constitution here in Springfield and around the area. In fact, I've, I've lectured on the Declaration and the Constitution in the National Archives in Washington, D.C., and uh, so this has been one of the premier focuses of my adult life is, is the Constitution and how it applies, and um, I'm a firm believer in the Constitution, and I believe that we need to follow it, whatever whatever it says. And if we find that we cannot any longer follow it because society has altered significantly enough that the Constitution no longer fits our needs, then we use the amendment process and we change it. But until it's changed, whatever it says, that's how we're supposed to be living in this society and how our government is supposed to function. So, so I'm a big believer in this, but a lot of people cite the Constitution or phrases within it without fully understanding the background and the context. And, you know, you can take, look what people do with the Bible, where you pull this verse out of context or that verse out, and then you try to make it say whatever it is that you want it to say. You, you can convince yourself of anything, but that doesn't mean it's right. That doesn't mean that it's accurate, and it, and it certainly doesn't mean that it changes uh, what is clearly stated in scriptures. And the same principle is held when it comes to the Constitution as well. 
and we can't allow people to simply ignore the the true meaning of the constitution by ignoring the contextual basis in, in which it was written so we're we're going to we got to take another quick break but when we come back we're going to take a look at the historical context of the 14th amendment and then how it specifically applies to the question at hand in uh, the 14th amendment section 3 uh, so if you have a constitution you want to follow along that'd be great otherwise we'll see you back here in just a few minutes what 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 is that do we know it says Christmas bumper music. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for the detailed You're clarification. Welcome. Is Chris? Isn't it time to not do that now? No. It, There's it, Russian Christmas coming up, Darren. Are we Are we carried in Russia here? <laughs> no, but we have a Russian producer in a studio. You're You're an American now. Half, half, and half. <laughs> All right. So at any rate, uh, bah humbug. Um, the <laughs> I'm tired of all the Christmas music. Um, so um, the 14th Amendment. All right. So the 14th Amendment was ratified in 1868. This is three years after the end of the Civil War. And it, it does several things. Um, and some, some of it is directed specifically at the states. So it's it's kind of funny to me that an amendment that was written to limit the powers of the states and to uh, try to ensure that the states could never rise up against the national government again was the basis upon which the uh, Supreme Court of Colorado found that the president is not eligible to be on the ballot. Well... <laughs> the 14th Amendment created the concept of dual citizenship. Uh, prior to 1868, nobody was a citizen of the United States, per se. You were a citizen of the state in which you resided, and uh, there was no such thing as national citizenship. It wasn't until 1868 when this is entered into the Constitution that we become dual citizens, both of the state in which we reside and citizens of the United States of America. In fact, prior to the Civil War, the United States of America were considered independent entities. And it, people didn't say the United States is. They said the United States are. And, and use the plural correctly because originally we were the states, the national, the, the, the countries, independent separate countries, 13 of them, that had associated themselves together in this union that is founded on the North American continent. And it wasn't that they loved each other, they just hated King George III more than they hated each other and so they bound together, much like the European Union, and uh, so they are the United States, the states that are united in America, the United States of America. So it was a descriptor, not a title, uh, not a name of an independent monolithic country. They were 13 independent states. And uh, that, that's the way it was understood until after the Civil War and the states that had rebelled uh, against the national government were put down 
And then when the ratification of the 14th Amendment there in 1868, it changed everything. I mean, it changed how we saw ourselves as a people. And it, it fundamentally altered the structure of government. And it was intended to. That was the whole point. So in the 14th Amendment, there, there are multiple sections. And Section 3 deals with the consequences of rebellion. Now, again, this is just three years after the end of the Civil War. And the, the, the idea that no one who had uh, undertaken uh, the uh, oath of office uh, of a state or of a um, or of, in the national government in the in the house or the senate, no one who had taken an oath of office that pledged allegiance and defense of the constitution um, could could serve could continue to serve an office if they had rebelled uh, against the the constitution and thereby violated that oath. So the Fourteenth Amendment, Section Three: No person shall be a senator or a representative in Congress, or elector of president and vice president, or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state, who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress, or as a member of the uh, United States, or as a member of any state, uh, legislature, or as an executive or judicial officer of any state, to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof, but Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. So that's Section 3. And what the Supreme Court here in Colorado has stated is President Trump fomented uh, insurrection on uh, January 6th uh, and therefore, uh, he's ineligible under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, and so they're not going to allow him on the ballot. At least right now, that's their position. So there's one word, uh, there, there's one office, actually there's two, the presidency and the vice presidency are not specifically mentioned in Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. It talks about senators, it talks about representatives, it talks about the electors, those individuals who are sent to the electoral college to vote for president or vice president, but it doesn't talk about the president or vice president themselves. It does talk about executive officers, and the president and vice president hold executive office, but are they officers under the definitions that we find within the Constitution? And that's really where it gets down to the nuts and bolts is, is the president an officer of the United States? And I'm not sure I know, but we're going to talk about how, how it works. But we got to come back after these, uh, this break here on 104.1 KSGF. Yes, a merry little Christmas. Yeah. Another Christmas bumper music. Yeah, no, I can't. <laughs> I, <laughs> I got it. Thanks. Um, 
All right, so uh, we're talking about the 14th Amendment and uh, specifically Section 3 and how it applies to the situation in Colorado where the Colorado Supreme Court has uh, uh, declared that President Trump is not eligible to be president for a second time because of his um, supposed involvement with the uh, January 6th um, quote-unquote insurrection, which, you know, that's debatable as well. Does it qualify as an insurrection uh, when the security guards let you into the Capitol? I'm not sure. Uh, but irrespective of all of that, um, the Article 4, or excuse me, uh, the 14th Amendment, Section 3, does say that anybody who engaged in resurrection, uh, anybody who engaged in insurrection, who had previously sworn an oath to uh, defend the Constitution, is no longer eligible for office. And so that's the basis upon which the Supreme Court in Colorado has done this. Now, as we saw there in Section 3 when we read through it just a minute ago, the President and the Vice President, neither one, are expressly named in that list of offices, uh, it talks about senators, talks about representatives, it talks about um, the electors who go to the Electoral College for the purpose of selecting president and vice president. Those individuals are and, and officers of states as well. Those individuals are not eligible to hold office if they have uh, engaged in insurrection. Now, there is a part of Section 3, the last clause, uh, the last phrase, I should say, it says that uh, uh, with a two-thirds majority vote in both houses of Congress, someone can be um, relieved of their disqualified status. In other words, they can hold office. It just takes two-thirds vote in both houses of Congress. That's not an option for President Trump because there's no way two-thirds in both houses would uh, would uh, say that he should be eligible just because of political uh, machinations. But it has happened before. Uh, the Confederate General James Longstreet um, had obviously supported the Confederacy. He was a he was a general, and had unquestionably uh, rebelled and rejected his prior oath, and um, and yet he was allowed to serve in the Senate uh, by the Congress voting two-thirds majority in both houses, and he was allowed to do so. So here's someone who actually not only not only participated, but took up arms and led individuals uh, in rebellion against the national government, and yet he was allowed. So the, the question becomes, um, first of all, the insurrection that is spoken of in, our, in, in Section 3, is that any insurrection, or is that, specifically speaking, about the Civil War? And, and that's kind of a big deal, because part of the reason why some have argued historically that president is not one of the offices listed is, at that time, 1868, there were no presidents living who had supported the Confederacy, um, who had... Uh, been in in part of that mindset and that effort. Um, the 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 last uh, president who had who had done so uh, had died, and 
you know, obviously uh, Abraham Lincoln had been assassinated right at the end of this of the Civil War, and now three years later, there are no presidents alive who have been involved in the conflict whatsoever. So they're only talking about individuals who were involved in that in that scenario, and yet were still alive and could potentially hold office. So the argument holds that that's why there's no mention of the president. Uh, because there weren't any to whom that would apply uh, as it related to the Civil War. But if that's the case, then it only applies to the Civil War because that's what they were concerned about. Um, There were cases that uh, were brought before um, various courts, decisions that were made in Congress, uh, 1878, 1892, wherein specific... um, application of this clause was deemed not to have applied any further than this than the civil war and therefore it was kind of a moot point after a few years but it's not definitive and it doesn't say the civil war it says insurrection generically and so the question is you know what who draws that line well the supreme court does but we don't know what they're going to say or when they're going to take up the case, but that that's part of the issue. Does insurrection there mean all and any insurrections or does it mean the civil war and Supreme court's going to have to make that determination. We got to take another quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to continue on with this. We're going to talk about whether or not the president is an officer uh, under the definition that we find in the Constitution and subsequent case law. Uh, we're going to do that uh, right here on KSGF 104.1. All right, welcome back. Uh, Nick is uh, out today uh, having a holly jolly Christmas, apparently. And uh, I'm, I'm sure he's uh, sleeping in some. But this is Darren Chapel. I'm filling in for him today. And uh, we're talking about the Colorado State Supreme Court and how it has um, determined that President Trump is not eligible to be on the ballot for the state of Colorado. Well, the reality is um, they're applying the 14th Amendment, Section 3, uh, and sa- which says that those who have uh, engaged in insurrection after having previously sworn, a- sworn an oath to defend the Constitution are now no longer eligible to hold office of any type, civil or military. And so that being the case, they argue that President Trump engaged in and fomented um, insurrection on January 6th, and that therefore disqualifies him, and so they've removed him from the ballot. Well, they put a stay on their own decision because they know the Supreme Court of the United States is going to uh, weigh in on this. And we just don't know what SCOTUS is going to say, although I suspect that they're going to say that the Colorado Supreme Court has overstepped its bounds. But we, you just never know. So, Article, uh, excuse me, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment does not mention the presidency as we've talked about. But Article 2, Section 4 of the Constitution specifically does talk about the presidency, and it talks about how the president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment 
for convic- for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. All right, so that's the impeachment clause, Article 2, Section 4. What's interesting is the president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States are the individuals who are impeachable. It does not say the president, vice president, and all other civil officers of the United States, implying that the president and vice president are then officers of the United States. If it said all other, then they're they're specifically mentioned, but they and all other civil officers would imply that those two positions are also civil officers. It does not say that. President, vice president, and all civil officers. So there are three separate groups here. The president, the vice president, and then the civil officers of the United States. Now, they're all impeachable if they commit high crimes, misdemeanors, treason, bribery, uh, being examples of those. Um, They certainly could be impeached, but they are not all three the same thing. And to argue that they are is to argue that, therefore, the president and the vice president are the same thing, which we know they're not. It would also equate the idea that the officers hold similar power to the president, which we know that's not the case. As a matter of fact, there in in Article 2, we're also given Article 2, Section 2, the power of the president to appoint officers of the United States. Well, the the president of the United States, nor the vice president for that matter, they're not appointed officers. They are elected positions. And the idea that uh, an, an individual, simply because they are holding an office, therefore they must be an officer of the United States, That doesn't hold water when we read the actual text of the Constitution. Now, there are individuals who say, well, that's obviously the case. Um, The, you know, obviously the president is is an office and therefore the holder of that office is an officer under the United States for constitutional purposes. Um, But you can't use reasoning outside of the context in which the the documents were written and say there it makes sense to me now and therefore it must be true there's all kinds of things that make sense i mean look at the difference between a natural born citizen and someone born here and having citizenship at birth they're two separate things they're they're not the same thing uh from a from a constitutional and historical perspective so the idea that the elected officials like the president uh, are not officers of the United States. That's that's been that's been held up in in various decisions. Uh, uh, in fact, there's a Supreme Court case in 2010, wherein uh, Justice um, Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, said specifically that um, it, the the case is actually uh, free interfund versus uh, public company accounting oversight. 2010, Chief Justice Roberts observed that the people do not vote for the officers of the United States. Rather, officers of the United States are appointed exclusively pursuant to Article 2, Section 2 procedures. And because the president is the one who makes those appointments, the president does not appoint himself. Therefore, the president cannot be an officer of the United States. Well, if he's not an officer of the United States, then Section 3 of of the 14th Amendment does not apply to that office. 
It applies to senators, it applies to representatives, and it applies to officers of the United States. But if he's not a member of the House, he's not a member of the Senate, he's never taken that oath, so he can't, he can't be held accountable for that. And if he's not an officer of the United States, he's not taken that oath as an officer of the United States, then, he, then he's exempt from Article, or from Section 3 of uh, the 14th Amendment as well. It does not apply to him. Now, <laughs> if it doesn't apply, then it can't be used as the basis to remove him from the ballot. That, that's, that's not how it works. And just because people are upset with him politically, you can't twist the wording of the Constitution out of its context to support your vision of how things ought to be and then say you have a constitutional basis for your argumentation. It's not how rational people behave in a court of law or in matters of government. It's just not the way it's done. We're going to talk a little bit more about this. Uh, right now, though, we got to take another quick break. Uh, we'll be right back here with you here on KSGF 104.1. All right. We are, as usual, when I do the show, running out of time because I talk too much. Um, we got a text uh, question about whether or not if if the Supreme Court does uphold the Colorado Supreme Court's decision to keep President Biden off the ballot, then what about those uh, individuals who may very well have been guilty of res- insurrection? Man, I keep saying resurrection. What in the world? That's the preacher in me coming out. Uh, that may very well be guilty of insurrection. Could they then be... Um, by perhaps uh, meddling with the voting process uh, in, the, in an effort to steal an election, um, could they then be held accountable? And, and the answer is absolutely correct, that if that were deemed to be an insurrection, then they could be and be removed from office. Now, um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that uh, after the top of the hour because it ties in with the one of the aspects of this that I want to deal with. But some individuals have said you can't go by the words written in the Constitution that were written in 1788 because language has changed between 1788-89 to 1868 when the 14th Amendment was ratified. You know, we got, you got uh, 80 years dis- difference there. And languages change, and and words do change their meanings. I mean, we 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 see it. So you can't rely. They argue you can't rely on the text of the Constitution alone uh, to to declare that the president is not an officer of the United States because words have changed in their meanings. This this linguistic slippage uh, they talk about uh, has occurred. Well, first of all, the burden is on them to prove that. There are some words that have changed in our lexicon. Gay doesn't mean the same thing today that it did 100 years ago in the, in the vocabulary of many people. But um, other words like law, uh, you know, I hadn't changed it at all. That, I mean, that, that, that word still means the same thing that it always has. So they must first prove this, this claim that they have that this language has shifted in such a degree that the phrase officer of the United States or officers under the United States has 
changed so drastically that it does include the presidency, even though the, the language of the Constitution itself in Article 2 appears that it does not include the presidency. And, and there have been individuals, there was a, um, an article reprinted in the Missouri Independent, which is not terribly Missourian nor independent, um, but it, it, um, it, it said that n- nobody has been able to provide any cases uh, uh, in the immediacy after the, the writing of the 14th Amendment that suggests that the president is not an officer of the United States. He said, well, it just doesn't exist. Well, you know, that's not true. Uh, the United States versus Muat, M-O-U-A-T, that's probably not how it's pronounced, but that's how this hillbilly reads it. It's a Supreme Court case from 1888. And uh, Justice Samuel Miller interpreted a statute that used the phrase officers of the United States. And he wrote, unless, this is a quote, unless a person in the service of the government, therefore, holds his place by virtue of an appointment by the president or of one of the courts of justice or heads of departments authorized by law to make such an appointment, he is not, strictly speaking, an officer of the United States. Well, not only was that only 20 years after the ratification of the 14th Amendment, so how much slippage do we have between the 14th and, and, and this case, but the case law found that the president can't be an officer of the United States because only those individuals appointed by the president are officers of the United States. And that that concept has been used as basic case law in all decisions. Uh, there was a situation in 1943 when Attorney General Francis Biddle, he cited Miller's opinions and says that under the Constitution of the United States, all its officers were appointed by the president or heads of the departments or courts of law. Well, if all officers are appointed by the president, the president's not one of them because he's not appointed. Not by anyone. He's, he's, it's the result of the Electoral College. Um, the, 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 the simple fact of the matter is, if the presidency, and I'm not talking about President Trump in particular, I mean all presidents, if the presidency is not a, an, uh, held by someone who is an officer of the United States, then Section 3 of, Article, of uh, the 14th Amendment does not apply to the president. And, and that, that could make some sense if the insurrection that's described in, in the 14th Amendment is exclusively referring to the Civil War because there were no living presidents who had been involved in the conflict. So it makes some sense. That's a critical issue because you can't just say President Trump uh, engaged in, uh, in insurrection and therefore... He can't run for office, and we're going to keep him off the ballot. So, so that 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 is the key point, and and yet they're they're not dealing with it. I suspect the Supreme Court of the United States will. We're going to come back here after the top of the hour break, talk a little bit more about this, and have Shane Schuler here at seven thirty. So uh, don't go anywhere. Come right back here on KSGF one zero four one. <laughs> 